0: Good Siang, ICC. It's no longer morning. Siang. Uh, I am honored to be with you today. This last Tuesday, I got a phone call from Pastor Don saying that his father had had a heart attack, and would I be willing to come here on Sunday morning and share with you guys? And I said, "Of course, I love this church, and I love to be able to teach the word of God here. Hi, how are you doing? Uh, and one of the first things that I said, because at that point he wasn't, he wasn't hopeful that he would actually get to see his father before his father was gone, because the doctors had said, it's very serious. One of the things that I said is we're going to pray that you get to see your dad and tell him goodbye if he's on the way home to heaven. And so there he is. He got to see his dad and I'm, it's made my day to see that, that photo, uh, it's, it's funny for me, I have to be really honest, to look out across a group of people that are mostly Asian and yet speak English. I think there's something in my brain that it's like, if you're Indonesian, then I'm gonna speak Indonesian to you. Uh, even though I know some of you, or many of you, are very fluent in English. I have a son who was born here in Indonesia 37 years ago, and thus his early years were here. And I have three grandsons that were born in Indonesia, Who are spending their early years here, and it's funny I've noticed that they can be talking to a Boule in perfect English, and then switch to an Indonesian and go automatically into Bahasa Indonesia. I think it's something in the brain, you know, that that does that. When we first moved back to America after our first round of living in Indonesia, I became the pastor of a of a church that had three church services every Sunday, and uh, and it was it was a fun experience. But what was funny is the first couple of months that I was speaking in English every Sunday, my wife had to sit right, right on the front row because I would just automatically use a Bahasa Indonesia term. And then I would forget the English term and she would have to speak it out. And so really there was a time in my life that I was, I was more fluent as it were preaching in Indonesian, more, more funny, more, uh, more anointed. You know, so bear with me with my English. Uh, so I'm going to give you a Bible quiz before we start today. I think we have slides. I sent them. Maybe they didn't end here. But here's the question. What did Jesus command us to do? How many of you have read Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John? How many of you have read that? Okay. So you know these, this answer. What did Jesus command us to do? Yes, that's a good one. We're coming back to that one. How about love one another? How about serve one another? How about repent and believe the good news? You guys know these, yeah? How about remember the Lord's death through communion? How about uh, forgive one another? How about serve one another? We know these commands, yeah? There's not many of them, and yet they're extremely important, these commands. And then there's the last command. How many, how many of you know the last command? Go and make disciples. And quite honestly, as I look at this list, I can say, which of these are optional? Or which of these do we have the hardest time obeying? And quite honestly, as, a, as someone who's been serving Christians and preaching sermons and teaching for many years i found that for most Christians, the last one is the hardest. Make disciples of all nations. I find that a lot of us are like, oh, I can serve, or I could forgive, or I can give. and 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 we feel the pleasure of God because the joy is in serving or obeying him. We love him, therefore we obey him, and we feel his pleasure. But when it comes to the last command, a lot of us think that's optional. That's that's kind of optional. But imagine you're discipling someone and they they reveal in their heart bitterness to someone from their family. And you would say, Hey, you need to forgive your dad, or you need to forgive that former spouse, or you need to forgive that brother. And they would say, Nah, that's one of the commands of Jesus that I don't really think is important. What would you say? Say, no way, we want to obey all the commands because we love him. And so that's what we're going to talk about today, a very familiar passage, but I've called this sermon the great omission, not the great commission, because it's the great omission. We often leave it out of our activities. Now, I know you guys know these verses if you've been around, if you grew up in church, if you love Jesus, you know these commands, or this last command, but I want to remind you of the context. Jesus had been crucified, he rose from the dead, he revealed himself as being alive for the dead for 40 days, and over five hundred and twelve people saw him. They heard him teach on the kingdom of God. But on his last day before returning to the to the Father, he gathered them all together as if to say, guys, one last encouragement. This is really, really important. You know, like someone like Pastor Don's dad on his. On a, on a deathbed or a potential deathbed, uh, those words are important. So, for example, if Pastor Don's dad said, hey, I want you to make sure and take care of your mother or make sure and do this or that, that would be extremely important. And so Jesus, in that context, says these familiar words. It starts with, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, you go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the end of the age. Well, because we find obeying that kind of challenging, it's easy to make up our own version of this, this last command. The versions that I've heard over the years, the, the different translations are like this. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go to church and worship and give an offering and listen to a sermon and serve me in whatever way makes you happy and whatever you can fit into your busy lives. That's often how we interpret that last command. Or this one, the next one. Therefore, those of you that have a special calling, as a pastor or an evangelist or a missionary, go and make disciples. If you've had this revelation that you're supposed to do this as a full-timer, go and fulfill my last command. Some of you are really quiet. This is supposed to be funny, okay? This is, uh, I'm not mad at you guys. I'm just saying this is how I've heard people interpret these things. I'll, show you, I'll share my translation in just a minute. Therefore, if your spiritual gift assessment or your personality profile or your passions fit that sort of thing, then go and make disciples. Is that what Jesus said? Not really. He wasn't making it optional. Even though at times you're like, I'm uncomfortable with the idea of of confronting a non-Christian and and talking to them about Jesus because I'm afraid they'll reject me or be angry with me or I will offend them. They won't be loving to do that. In my In my hometown where I was born and where I went to college and where Janine and I got married and where we led a church for 20 years, it's really not cool for someone who loves Jesus to talk to a, a complete stranger and persuade them or encourage them to follow Jesus. It's not cool. It's not accepted. And so it's so hard. These barriers are so hard, and in some ways here in Indonesia as well. Uh, Here's a good one. Some people say, this is how I fulfill the Great Commission. Therefore, go find a younger Christian. Spend time with them, helping them He'll find healing from their heart wounds, helping them overcome addictions, helping them to have a daily quiet time, and that idea is the idea of making disciples. Okay, now not that that's wrong. It's great to do that, but that's not what Jesus meant in this context. And we'll see that in just a minute. But I told you, here's my version. Here's how I've interpreted the Great Commission for many, many decades here in Indonesia back in the United States. Therefore, go and start churches and invite people to come and attempt to make them disciples by giving them good sermons. Baptize them if they're so inclined, if they want to, teaching them to think about whatever you feel inspired to talk about. That's, quite honestly, my idea of the Great Commission for years. And yet I was missing something really important. And that's why I want to talk about it today. In the context, Jesus said, make disciples of all nations. Say it with me. Make disciples of all nations. Who's, what is he talking about? He's not talking about geopolitical entities. The Greek word there, the Greek words are ta panta ethne, which means literally all ethnic groups. And so in Indonesia we know about sukus. So the Great Commission is not just for people who are majority Christian but they're for the sukus that have very few Christians as well. And quite honestly that's why I came to Indonesia in 1983 and that's why I returned in 2012 because I'm very aware that God's heart is not only for Monotonese people and Batak people and Western people and and people of Chinese descent, but his heart is for Makassar and Sunda and Sasak and all the people groups of Indonesia. And so this passage is extremely important to to me. I think it's important to all of us. Now, I want to just break down this passage, and then the thing I want to focus on today is how our mindsets keep us from really obeying this command and how we can change those mindsets and I want to give you some examples of how we can change our mindsets and become fruitful and effective disciples but first of all let's look at it again the Great Commission and just just ask this question what are the what are the action words what are the verbs here because a lot of us are passive about the Great Commission next slide if you look at the four verbs next slide as well keep going the four verbs in the, in the passage are what? Go, make, and actually it's one word, make disciples, baptizing. You, can, you guys could go forward the slides. It's actually on the next screen. Go, make disciples, baptizing, and teaching. Those are the four components of the Great Commission. So those, those make up what, next slide, oops, came out different. So it's really, if you break it down, there's one main verb, and that is to make disciples. And so the going, while going, baptizing, and teaching them to obey it all contributes to the main idea here, the main verb, which is to make disciples. Uh, let's just fly on through this. The, the, there's, a, there's a diagram up here of how you would uh, the diagram that sentence. But I want to jump to this, this uh, command of Jesus' idea. Jesus said, if you love me, you keep my commands. And whoever has my commands keeps them. And he is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me is loved by my Father and I too will love them and show myself to them. So I just want to remind you as we, as we evaluate how we are in keeping this last command, you guys love Jesus just like I do. And so it should be really, really important to us to say what's actually happening through my life to obey this command? And I want to I want to talk about a couple of mindsets that we can change in order to find greater fruitfulness and greater joy in making disciples. When in 1993, I became a pastor of a church in America after eight months of saying, no, I don't want to do this. But the the founding pastor and the elders of the church kept saying, we believe you're, you're the ones, you and Janine are the ones to pastor this church. And, and we became pastors. I remember getting a phone call early on, and a lady said, I have a friend that wants to, to follow Jesus, wants to become a Christian. Can I bring her to your office and let you lead her to Christ? And I thought, that's actually your job. You're a Christian, right? And I realized that one of the challenges of being a pastor is that many, many people that love Jesus have these barriers to making disciples or leading people to Christ. Next slide. So one of these barriers, one of these mindsets, is the last command of Jesus is really the job of the pastor or the missionary. When in reality, this last command of Jesus is not just for the professional Christian. It's literally for everyone who calls on his name. It's every one of us who love him not only have the responsibility, but we get to. So next slide. Keep going. Keep up with me here. So we get to. This is a, this is a privilege that all of us get to be involved in this. This last week, I heard about an a, a unmarried woman, a young lady, who loved Jesus so much she went to every meeting the church had throughout the week. And this particular church had not just Sunday morning, but then they had a Sunday night and they had a Wednesday night and they had other meetings. And she was there every time the door was open in the church. And one, one day, her pastor brought in a man who told them that, hey, you know what? We can actually make a difference in the lives of non-Christian friends by sharing the good news with them. And the easiest way to do that is to tell what Jesus has done for you. Your testimony, your three minute testimony. What was life like before you know, knew Jesus? What happened when you encountered his love? And then how has he changed you? Simple outline. Well, this young lady, and, and I just heard that this, this week, this young lady, in the first month after she started sharing her testimony with others, she led 50 people to Christ. She had never, ever shared the gospel, but she led 50 people to Christ because she realized that loving God is not just being with other Christians, but loving God is loving lost people because that's what he's into. And so God can take that kind of mindset and change them. Let me mention another one. A lot of you, like me, realize that we we love people through acts of kindness. And so I know there's all kinds of ministries in this church where we're showing the love of God through our kindness. But it's, you need to revert, go back to the previous slide now, go back to point number two. We actually, we can change our mindset to realize that, you know what, I actually need to help people know how God has loved them through Christ and what he's done for them already and how they can receive his love. So it's not just through my actions, it's not just through acts of kindness, but literally inviting people to, hey, come follow Jesus with me. Come experience the forgiveness that I've known. Come and the things that I've I've enjoyed, like in worship this Sunday. You can enjoy that. And so a mindset that says there's got to be something communicated from mouth to ear, is a way that we can become effective disciple-makers. A third mindset is the idea that... that uh, And so, literally, the very best way we could share the love of Christ is through through our words. Another mindset is this one. I... And this is something that I've experienced. I find that I can share with... A number of people before one person says yes and I'm like I feel like a failure here because Jesus told us to make disciples and I seem to be making so very few I, I know some people sitting out there that have made a lot more disciples through your sharing than I've made I think of grace I'm hearing of her stories and some of the people that have been through our discipleship school are so effective evangelists it's not my gift but you know what I've found is that as I sow, as I sow, as I sow, I will find receptive people. It's abundant sowing. And so, how do you sow? Well, I, here are four ways that we talk about in our Antioch Discipleship School. We talk about being kind and gracious to people, telling them our story, our, our testimony, sharing with people, like, bragging on Jesus, telling stories about Jesus. Uh, you, could, you guys can go forward in that. You could you could tell God's story. In other words, we could tell uh, the gospel in a in a way that, a, that a, a Muslim would understand or in a way that a Hindu would understand. And, by the way, those are different. We could share it in a way that uh, another boule, for me, another boule would understand. But when I'm doing these things, I'm sowing. Even if I ask the grab driver, hey, so you're, you're, you're struggling financially, can I pray for you? Or you're, you talk to someone and you find out that they're sick, can I pray for you? Just prayers, simple prayers of faith on, on the spot. Often the Spirit of God comes upon them. We find that they're prophetic words, that God gives us an impression that, hey, this is what you're struggling with. And they go, how did you know that? Because God gives us a prophetic word for lost people. It's fun sharing it in the church, but it's way more fun sharing it out there, the prophetic words. And so there are, there are a number of ways that we sow. So we live a life of sowing. So when we have the mentality of, I'm called to sow, we can have so much more joy and freedom, not, not worried about the outcome, knowing that the responsive heart will say yes. And then when we find those people, we call them people of peace, We're off to the races. So there's a fourth mindset that I've noticed in a lot of Christians. And that is that the... uh, Sorry, lost my place here. Is that I need to go on a mission trip or be part of YWAM or do an outreach with the church in order to make disciples. And in reality we can live a lifestyle that's missional so that we're sowing wherever we're at. We, we say it any three, anyone, anywhere, anytime. Anyone, anywhere, anytime. And in this, on this island, in this context, you, just, you can go 100 meters that way or 100 meters that way or 100 meters that way or 100 meters that way and find someone that has no idea who Jesus is and no idea what he's done. And so it's an amazing privilege to realize that I could live a lifestyle wherever I go of sowing the good news and doing so as part of my life. Um, Go to the next slide. This is lifestyle for me. One of the funnest uh, trips home, I met this guy. This is on the left. His name is Ben. He's from China. And when I met Ben, we were sitting on a plane together, and I was really tired because this was the last leg of a trip back to the United States, and, and I was suffering jet lag, and I was sleepy, and I just wanted to be left alone. And the Spirit of the Lord just kind of prompted me and said, talk to this guy next to you. So I started a conversation and I found out that he uh, was an engineer and he's visiting my city, Austin, Texas, for the very first time, never been in America, he was going to a, a seminar or a training and because uh, he was a tech guy and he was so excited to be in America and I asked him if he had ever been told about Jesus and he said, no, I'm in my country We don't believe in Jesus and I don't believe in God, I, I'm an atheist and so I lovingly told them my story of encountering Jesus. I pulled out my iPad and I had him read some verses. And somewhere over Arizona, we were coming close to Texas. Somewhere over Arizona, he said, "I want this. I want forgiveness. My life has has missed the mark. That's what sin means. We've missed the target." He said I want to follow Jesus and he said it pretty loud and we were in an airplane and I thought whoa okay and so uh, I said just pray this prayer with me and so I, I I prayed and he repeated and four rows in front of me heard how to become a Christian and four rows in back of us heard how to become a Christian and I told him as we were as we were approaching Austin I said now one thing that you can do now as a follower of Jesus and by the way he asked me this is Saturday. Do you go to church? And I said, yes, I go to church. He said, I've never been to church. And I said, would you like to come to the church that my wife and I started? And he said, yes. So I'll come back to that in just a minute. But I said, here's your first assignment as a follower of Jesus. See the, the lady sitting up there? And I pointed several rows up to my wife who was sitting in a different row. I said, after we land and we're waiting for our baggage, Go tell her what happened in your life on this plane trip. And he said, okay. So he went to her at the baggage claim, and he said, you're his wife, right? Yeah. Well, on this trip, I found out that God is real, that he loves us because he sent Jesus, and Jesus died for my sins, and I'm a sinner, but now I'm forgiven because of the love of Jesus Christ. Didn't he do that? So we got to church the next morning, and I got there early because we were visiting, you know, but this was the church we had started, and it's actually quite large, you know. And so I was there, and I was happy. He had already showed up at church and told five people that he's now following Jesus. His less than 24 hours after he says yes to Jesus. But see, we get to do that, you guys. We get to make disciples. We get to be involved in that. Here's the last mindset I want to talk about today, and that is the mindset that, hey, I'm not spiritual enough, or I don't know the Bible enough, or I don't know enough about Islam, or I don't know enough about Hinduism, or I, I, I might I might kala. What's English for kala? I, I might lose if I have a debate with someone, you know, so, and, and often there's this sense of, you know, if I were just more whole, I'm, I'm broken and whatever. But I want to tell you that that's the biggest lie of the enemy that would stop us from attempting to make disciples. Why? Because the reality is through God's empowering presence, I've been given everything I need to obey all of his commands. Think about it. Do I have what I need to forgive people with his help? Do I have what I need to love people with His help? Sure. Everything we need for life and godliness has been given to us. And remember what Jesus said just before he gave this last command. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, as my followers doing what I'm sending you out to do, You have that authority. Why? Because he's with us. He's in us. He's around us. He's going before us. He's behind us. He's empowering us. And what I found, quite honestly, you guys, is that the people I least expect expect to be fruitful and faithful disciples have much fruit. (laughs) And we who are professional Christians and professional disciple makers aren't near as effective as a lot of other people. I, I'm into, uh, for the last 13 years of my life, I've been so excited about disciple-making movement, movements that are happening around the globe. At the time when I first heard about them, there were about 15 or 20. Now there are over 1,000. In fact, there are 1,500 disciple-making movements where many, many new disciples are coming to faith. Many new house churches are multiplying rapidly. And some of them are here in Indonesia. And that's what I pray for daily. God, bring us disciple-making movements among the unreached of Indonesia. And that's what we're giving ourselves to. But one of the stories that first inspired me 13 years ago is I read this story of a guy named Ying Kai. Ying Kai grew up as a pastor's son in Taiwan. Years later, God led him to mainland China, People's Republic of China. And there, he began to train people in making disciples, in fulfilling the Great Commission. And not many churches wanted his training, but one rural church in the country made up mostly of farmers, he began to train the members in how to share their testimony. How to share their three-minute testimony. And so he started out with 30, and the second week he had only like 15, and the third week he had 10. But he had 10 people who went out and told their story to lost people. And, and what happened is one, one guy, the oldest farmer, the farmer who wasn't very articulate at all, in fact, he kind of had a, a funny voice, and he, and he kind of shuffled along, And he kind of wasn't attractive, you know? But that guy had shared with his five family members or friends. Then he had gone out and shared with, knocked on every door in his village and said, I know we've known each other a long time, but I've never really told you what Jesus has done for me. Can I tell you? And then he would tell the story. And he had over 15 new disciples. Now, fast forward. That became a movement with over a million new disciples spread throughout that part of China, Southeast China, and every one of those 15,000, no, no, 150,000 new house churches could trace their roots back to the one guy that was obedient, the one guy who had all these things going against him, but God worked through him. And so when I look at a group of people like this, I think, surely, God, there's an obedient disciple that just says, oh, this is what it means to obey you. And this is one way I could share the gospel is telling people what you did for me. And that can spark a movement on Bali, a movement of disciples making disciples, making disciples. And so today, I, wanna, I I'm just, just want to bring you back to the simplicity of experiencing God's love and loving Him through obeying all of Jesus' commands, especially this last one. Now, I want to close today by asking this question. Actually, I have three questions or three, three assignments for you. You ready? The first one is this. I want you to pray a prayer something like this. Holy Spirit would you just put a mirror up to me and and show me how active or passive I've been about this last command I want to be honest lord I want to, I want you to speak to me and and I want to tell you that some of you will hear affirmation from the lord saying way to go daughter way to go son because you care about lost people you've been praying you've been sowing Others of you may hear something else, and I want you to just open up your heart. You don't have to tell me. You don't have to tell anybody. You don't have to come to the front, but I wanna—I want you to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. So would you just join me in just like a, a two-minute prayer? Search our hearts, so God. And Lord, if, if. There are ways that you've found pleasure in our obedience. Show us, Lord. We need that encouragement. If, If and when we care for people and pray for lost people, Lord, encourage us to keep doing that. But for those among us, Lord, that would say, I've not been very obedient here. I pray for the grace to repent. To repent. You know, just, I'm just reminded of what the word repent means. One of the definitions of repent is to change your mind. And so, Father, I'm asking that people that have been deceived by an unhealthy mindset about making disciples today would change their minds. Repent and believe in the name of Jesus. And now I want to ask you to pray one more prayer with me. And that is, Lord, show me what I need to do now. What do I I need to do to follow through on what I heard from you just then? Show me what I need to do this week. What do I need to do, Lord? What's the next step in obedience? Because, Lord, we really do love you, and we really do love being loved by you. And so we're asking for the grace to follow through. And finally, how many of you are in a connect group? How many of you are in a connect group? Raise your hand. Would you just share with someone in your connect group what just happened? In other words, what did you hear from the Lord today that inspired you, encouraged you, that challenged you? It's gonna, it's gonna be easier to obey when someone else has been told. There's a sense of loving accountability. So share with someone in your connect group what you heard about this last command now in just a minute we're going to have communion and I want us to prepare our hearts for communion and uh, Victor is going to join me here but I want to just throw up on the screen one last slide and it's a slide of our Antioch Discipleship School this will be the third year that we're having it it's right over here uh, it's convenient. It's on Sunday afternoons from 3 to 7. And guess what one of the main themes of this discipleship school is? How to be more fruitful and effective disciple makers. And we, we discuss all the things that I talked about today in much greater detail. we got amazing guest, speaker, guest speakers. How many of you, have, there's some of you that have been through it. How many of you have been to the Antioch Discipleship School? Raise your hands. Come on, there's more than that. There's a few. Okay. So thumbs up if it it helped you make disciples better. Okay. A couple of thumbs. It will. So it starts in October, October uh, 2nd. So Victor, come. Can we give a check? One, two. One, two. One, two. One, two. One, two.